powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hey, thank you, everyone. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. I hope all my American listeners had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday and are taking easy on those in retail on this Black Friday. Before we get into the episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, Jonathan Blake. He is an absolute legend to have come on the show and tell his absolutely incredible story. I got so many messages, emails, and texts telling me how inspired the story was. If you've not had a chance to listen to our powerful interview, I strongly encourage you to do so after the conclusion of this episode. And Jonathan, thank you again from the bottom of my heart for taking a chance to come on my show and tell your incredible, powerful story. All right, welcome to episode 103, and we have a very special guest today, and this incredible individual has played a huge part in the success of The Derek Duvall Show. We have on the show today public relations extraordinaire, Dana Lewis. Dana is the CEO of Dana Lewis Public Relations, a professional-based PR firm. Dana will be discussing the incredibly interesting world of public relations and shedding a light on a very special professional field. We have lots to cover, so let's go ahead and get her on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from City of Angels, Los Angeles, California, a true friend of the Derek Duval Show, Miss Dana Lewis. Dana, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duval Show. How is the weather out in Los Angeles today? The weather is actually really beautiful. It started to turn sort of that summer temperature yesterday, and now it's a little bit cooler at the moment, but I think we're actually going to be in the 90s again today. Oh, wow. But beautiful, beautiful day. I'm looking at a hillside with yellow flowers and trees, and it's very lovely. Are you a summer, fall person, or are you you're winter? I am a summer girl. Okay. I like warm weather and sunshine and long days. <laughs> So with the pandemic now coming to an end, what was it like for you living in the COVID-19 world? I'm, well, ironically enough, I think so many people really slowed down during the pandemic and, you know, many of them without choice, many, you know, organizations shut down, restaurants shut down, there were industries that were completely just silent for, you know, a, a decent period of time. Um, PR was not one of those industries. PR is a beast that can just never soften and can never sleep. Um, we were as busy as ever. Um, I did not have the same experience during the pandemic as many of my friends and family who were sort of forced to just stop all of the sudden, which I can see pros and cons. I think at the time it felt like just a giant, you know, blow to everyone, but Looking back, I think many people who had that time period to sort of slow down for a moment now in hindsight feel, oh my gosh, you know, what a, what a beautiful time to have been able to spend time with my kids and, you know, my friends and family. And with, with the PR industry for us, it was just a very quick shuffle of, okay, what does the news look like now? How do we engage with the news and how do we get our clients in front of, you know, the other experts we need, especially when you work in the health and wellness industry and you're representing experts. I mean, the news media needed more experts than ever before. And mm -hmm. the news was changing really quickly. I mean, there were stations that were entirely operating from their home studios um, but one thing that came out of the pandemic for publicists, which I thought was a really, really interesting benefit, 
was local news stations were now welcoming guests from all around the world. There was no longer this barrier between local markets, which was something that I think held a lot of people back from getting television opportunities before. There was essentially LA and New York, which are the two main hubs. And then there's national. And then every market in between was very much focused on we want experts and brands who are centered to our demographic in our area. And now that didn't matter because everybody was home. What was the difference? So actually media really blew up in that way for, especially for broadcast news. And a lot of experts I think came from the pandemic in a way that they never had before, because not only were they able to sort of leverage broadcast in a way that wasn't available to them prior to the pandemic, but I also think that social media experts really exploded during the pandemic. I think that these people that once had an underground following, so to speak, became viral because people were home, TikTok, you know, was rising in popularity. People wanted, they wanted advice. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, PR and, and my experience of PR, during, especially during the pandemic, um, really, we, we had to hit the ground running. I mean, we, we had to connect every morning, make sure we were on the same page, what's going on in the news. The news cycle was exploding like it never had before. There was just new information flying at us and we had to really keep up. So COVID-19 for me was, I think, different than a lot of people. You know, it's amazing being in your position and then being in my position, you know, during the pandemic, people or what we would call celebrities, I'm doing the air quotes here, people who would never do podcasts, they had nothing to do. So they like they just said, you know what, I will go on this podcast. Like I've seen actors and, and people you would consider, you know, notable celebrities who had no business being on this, you know, bunch of kids sitting around talking to them. They came on there. It was amazing to watch. All right. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? And what was it like to grow up there? Well, I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Growing up here, you know. I, I love LA. I'm a, I'm an LA girl. I'm very proud of where I was raised. But the truth is, I think, for, well, for me, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, away from the city. So it wasn't necessarily that quote unquote Hollywood vibe. Um, but, you know, there was certainly, and I think gr now growing up, having went away to college, having now met people from all walks of life and, and from all parts of the world that certainly growing up in LA unknowingly was different um, than I think many different areas only in the sense that the entertainment industry is such a huge you know umbrella here it really does touch almost every avenue and, and any industry you might want to pursue in this town um, you don't realize that the kids that you're you know in school with are the children of you know really big actors and actresses and singers or you know executives of sony and that many of the you know peers next to you at least for me many of them grew up to become famous and to be in the entertainment industry and be sort of well-known figures and you know i think in a way i appreciate that because i think when you grow up with people who end up becoming famous or end up becoming this sort of high powered person, quote unquote, you realize that they simply were your classmate, you know, sitting next to you. We're all the same. We all come from the same, you know, cloth. We're all born right. the same way. We all learn the same lessons. There's nothing that makes that person better or more deserving than you. Um, we all struggle. We all have to fight and work really, really hard to get where we want to go. And I think that sort of cloud of, you know, it's almost this uh, like magic around celebrities that people just think that they're like uh, higher than now and that they're just, you know, untouchable. And it's just, it's not true. I mean, they're, they're people just like you and me. Um, and I, you know, I hope that anybody listening that lives somewhere other than Los Angeles who comes here or anyone period who sort of looks at them as sort of like, you know, like untouchable, they are very much real people just like you or me you could become one of them and if you do please he please be kind <laughs> name drop who's the biggest one you went to high school with <laughs> the biggest celebrity i went to high school with mm -hmm. that's interesting well she didn't go to high school she was homeschooled but i went to i grew up with kristen stewart i went to i grew up with kristen stewart's brother 
Oh, right. I actually just saw him at Trader Joe's like two days ago, <laughs> but it, it was interesting. That story just, me and her brother were very close. And so we, you know, could drop him off. At, or we would all be out, drop him off at home. And I remember the one, and by the he's an adopted brother, but what, either way, it doesn't matter. And he, so we drop him off at the house. They lived really close to us. They lived close to the high school. And I remember the house was just normal in a cul-de-sac and, drop him off and I remember Twilight came out that week and we went to drop him off like the week after so maybe like a week and a half period in between this and there were I mean paparazzi outside their house and crowds outside their house oh, wow. and it was so bizarre to see that I don't know. that's interesting <laughs> so what are your favorite memories from attending the University of California oh, Santa Cruz is probably one of the most magical places on the planet. Honestly, I I guess my fondest memory is was being free. Mm. That sort of free-spirited energy that you get before you embark on your career, before you have the notion that, you know, I have to be someone, I have to be successful, I have to be whatever it is. And my reason being, I was very fortunate my reason being at that time was just study and have fun. I was very lucky that my parents sort of allowed me to really enjoy it. Uh, obviously, they said if you get bad grades, like you're coming home and we're not paying for you. But they said, as long as you're doing well in school, you know, we will take care of you. We're not going to, you know, sh shove a bunch of money at you, but we'll make sure you survive. And so for me, I really was able to wake up every day and just enjoy the environment that I was in. And I was really able to take in that town. And it's, it was such a beautiful place. And it's this redwood forest that is just nestled on the most beautiful beaches you've ever seen. And it's in Northern California. So it has the greatest people on the planet. There's no nicer people, maybe in maybe outside of the United States, in the U.S., nobody nicer than Northern Californians. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was wonderful. And it was my my time for my hippie to shine. <laughs> what was your choice of major? Um, I majored in psychology and I had an intensive, which means I did more clinical work. Hmm. I studied child psychology in the lab. So how quickly did you decide that public relations was the career for you? Well, I was starting my upper graduate courses, which were amazing. And by the way, psychology was an incredible field to study. And I do not regret it. In fact, I'm so grateful that I studied this field because it's, it's so fascinating. And I think it truly does help understand how the mind works, which I think helps you find success in many different industries. Um, but I was in my upper divisions and taking fascinating courses. But one day it just hit me that I needed to do something more creative. And I think it was actually in a course, it's called like, um, oh my gosh, um, Systems of Psychotherapy, where the main focus of that course was learning about personality disorder and how to treat that and how really dark and, and, and it's, it's one of the most difficult ailments to treat in psychology. And, I realized that while the people who do embark on that journey are so incredibly giving with their energy and love, and I have so much respect for the therapeutic community, I realized that I didn't want to take that energy in my life. And that for me, I wanted to be creative. I wanted to write. I wanted to do something that had more artistry. And for me, I actually grew up in the in, in theater. I grew up performing. I grew up on stage. I wanted to study theater in college. And my parents said, we are not paying for your college degree to go study theater. You have to get, quote unquote, a real degree. So I gave up theater and I studied psychology. But then as it, just, it came to me, I'm like, no, I need to do something creative. It's just there's no way I could do anything else. And I literally Googled careers in you know, entertainment that have writing, I think, I don't know. Mm. And PR came up and I'm like, what's PR? And all I knew was the, you know, Samantha Jones from Sex on the City, which I think is what <laughs> people, you know, envision when they think of a publicist, um, which is ironic because, you know, some are like that, but many are not. 
uh, many, many, many are not. Uh, and I said, oh, that sounds cool. And so I ended up, you know, going to intern. I came back to Los Angeles that summer and I interned at a firm and I loved it. And I said, this is cool. I'll do this. And then here we are a decade mm -hmm. later. Which leads me to my next question, you know, is, you know, how would you define the science of public relations? Hmm. You know, it's so interesting. So many people classify public relations in different ways and try to define it in different ways. I think to put it in the most simplest of terms, PR is the art of how what people think of you. How do how does the world see you? is essentially the bigger picture of PR, right? Public relations is how the world envisions, or sorry, how the world sees you. And media relations and the tactics that you use, obviously, to have a successful PR campaign are what do we do to get the world to see us in the way that we want them to see us? Whether I'm an expert, whether I'm an author, whether I'm a product, um, and you do that in many different you know, in many different ways. It's so it's just basic media relations, which is essentially speaking to journalists and going on the news and telling the world who you are and why you exist and why you're better than the competition. Or it's, you know, telling your story if it's that you wrote a book and you want your story to help others. And, you know, it's it's the storytelling aspect of getting your brand and your name out there. But then there's so many other elements to PR that I think people forget. And I think that people sometimes so heavily rely on just the media relations component. But once, you know, you get out there and you have sort of the buy-in of the media and you have this fantastic article that paints you in this beautiful way, which is so incredibly valuable. But I also think that it's, it's taking that and owning it, you know, putting that on your website. It's the back-end marketing, putting it on social media. Because the truth is there can be an article that, you know, refers to your incredible product, but unless the world sees that you created that product or the product lives here and, you know, here's our website and here's the New York Times, for instance, saying how wonderful we are, the, the, the common consumer doesn't put those pieces together the way you as the, as the you know, the brand does. You could say, oh my God, this is an amazing article. We love it. We're so happy. But unless you own that article, right? You, you promote that article then and do the work afterwards. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't do the, it doesn't give you the ROI that you would, you might want. But, you know, another publicist actually put this really in a great, or had a great perspective on this. He said, you can tell the world as much as you want, how incredible you are, but until somebody else tells the world how incredible you are, it doesn't mean anything. And I think that that's a really great way to look at PR. It's that, you know, the basic marketing, which is we're the best product or, you know, whatever your, your mission statement is, but it's when a journalist says it, it's when it's on a headline, it's when somebody else is substantiating your claim that the consumer trusts that that's true. And I think that that's what makes PR so valuable as opposed to advertising advertising is an amazing way to get your brand in front of a million eyes really quickly, which is mm. great. It's a great way to introduce people to your brand for the first time. But once people are introduced to your brand, now how do we know it works? How do we know what you're saying is true? How do we know that you're not some fake kooky doctor that's making claims that you know are false? And that's usually when consumers see that you're associated with reputable media outlets. And so, yeah, a very long-winded way to say <laughs> So when you are, you know, looking to, you know, you're chasing down a client, you say, hey, I want to represent you. What factors go into that decision to represent that client? Mm, that's such a good question. And it's funny timing because this, this experience just happened to me. And maybe she'll listen to this one day and she'll know that I was telling her the truth because she, she was kind of like, you want to represent me? I'm like, yes. Like, I really don't say this to everyone. I really want to represent you. So for me, what makes a great client, and this is for me personally, every, every PR professional has their own niche and their own specialty that they love. For me, I love working with incredible experts. I love health and wellness brands and health and wellness brands that have a really interesting 
founding story or have a very unique offering that obviously stand out, um, which of course that's what everybody wants. But for me, experts are there. Um, that That's sort of, I guess, my bread and butter. So when I see an expert that has incredible credentials, that's out there sharing their knowledge, you know, whether that's through a book, a podcast, they're, you know, whether they have a clinic and they're helping people. But for me, yeah, it's that person that's out there giving really, really, truly beneficial advice to people that I think that, that people could really use. And for me, what excites me, and this is not a make or break, but what excites me when I'm retaining somebody is somebody who's actually starting out somewhat new. So there's, there's, certainly a, a threshold that you have to look for when it comes to is somebody ready for PR, right? Somebody who has a very, very small following, I hate to say this, but it is sort of currency today, is probably not quite ready. You can start to build them up, certainly, but it's going to be more difficult, specifically with a lot of podcasts, um, which, you know, it stinks, but it, it's just the world we live in today. So for me, it's somebody that has a baseline following, someone that's already done the work themselves, someone who's clearly you know, eager to get their name out there and is willing to work to get their name out there because it's very much a partnership. And that is something a lot of people don't understand. And I've had to explain that to a few people who, you know, were looking into engaging that, you know, if you're not ready to partner with your publicist, if you're not ready to give those quotes to the journalist when they need it, if you're not ready to sit and, you know, do a podcast interview or do the things that require a, a, a beneficial campaign, then don't waste your money. Like you have to be really willing to engage. But for me to see that somebody has that following, their website looks great. They've done the backend marketing. They're clearly determined to do this and they have a great message to share and they have the credentials to back it up. That to me is just like lightning strike. I want to represent you. And that did happen recently. And yeah, she's just awesome. And she's going to just kill it. But yeah, and, and for me, the reason why I sort of like new is because I like to mold. I like to be the one to like, I just, I like to be the first one at the table to say, this is what's unique. This is the brand. This is the mission. This is how we position you. Let's go do it. And, and that, I love that part. And it's not impossible. Of course, I've come into majority of the campaigns I've worked on, usually not the first at the table, usually either the expert, the talent, the brand has worked with their publicist. Sadly, if they're coming then to me or the agency after another agency, usually it means they didn't have a great experience. Um, so that often requires some relearning, reteaching, saying we're not all bad. <laughs> like some of us really do communicate with you all the time. Some of us are really honest with you. Some of us are you know, we're not just sitting in the back, do, you know, twiddling our thumbs. We really work hard on your campaign. And I think, yeah. So, of course, I don't mind that experience when someone's brand new and they've never done it before. It's just exciting. Right. So the flip side of that question is, you know, when is the right time to begin pursuing a PR firm? Yeah. I mean, of course, I hate to just jump right into this element of it, but budget is important. Something it's just, it's a truth that we can't get around is that PR is expensive. PR, it's, a, it's an investment in yourself and it's an investment in your brand. And it's something that I wouldn't recommend anybody take lightly. Some publicists will have cheaper price tags than others. That's great. If it's a little too cheap, something maybe to look into, like why? You know, that saying you get what you pay for is usually true in life. Not always, but... You know, it's when you have a healthy budget, when you know that you have the budget that can allow you to participate in PR for at least six months. And I only say that to give people a little bit of ease because for most people to think of committing to a campaign for a year is scary, very scary for a lot of people. People don't like that. It scares most people. Um, so six months, you want to say just to ease into it. But truly, if you really want to know the time period that will more likely bring you the results you're looking for as far as authentically growing your following and getting you out in the media to the point where journalists know you, journalists call you, people start to recognize you, people start to say, oh, I saw your brand out there, or I saw, you know, whatever that might be. It's really a year. And I do try to tell people that if you're just going to do a three-month campaign and you have that much to spend just on three months, sometimes I would almost like like caution them not to do that because in three months, what can you really do in three months? It's almost like you wasted all this money 
to do nothing. It's almost like working for a marathon, working, 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 and not doing the marathon. Why did we do all that? For what? Like you have to keep going. You have to get to the finish line. And to be honest, I don't think when it comes to your brand, there should ever be a finish line. I think you should always look to be growing your brand. I think you should always be looking to elevate. I don't think there should be a cap. And when you're in a place that you know that you're ready to really invest in that really like that marathon, I think that's the time. You know, I, I think a lot of people sort of engage with PR too soon, but also, you know, before people know their brand. And I think that oftentimes people sort of rely on publicists to, to define their brands, which is great. We can, but I think it's important that you know who you are. I think you should know your offering. I think that you should have, you know, your differentiators in your mind going into it so you guys can work together. And so it can be more beneficial because at the end of the day, a publicist or a PR professional can have a vision for you and your brand, but they that's their vision. And they're going to, you know, leverage PR tactics to get to their vision if you don't have one yourself. And so I think it's important that when you engage with the publicist, not only to have the budget to try to, you know, get engaged with an either six month or year long campaign, but also that you know what you want at the end of the day, that you have that vision. What's your dream headline? What's your dream magazine or television show? And what are they saying about you? That is the vision that you should have going into it. So you can share that with your publicist and come up with a plan. Okay, here's the steps we'll take to get there because their public or their mission and their goal for you might not be the same as yours. And you want that to be aligned. With people of prominence, you know, being put under a microscope for every action, especially in today's society, you know, what kind of things do you do to prepare a client for a interview or red carpet or any other event? Hmm. Well, I mean, events are different than stepping into the limelight. For red carpets, there's nothing, <laughs> there's not much you can do to prepare them mentally for a red carpet because it's just craziness. But something I think, it's funny, I, I, one thing that I would just recommend as a PR professional is that when you're going to a red carpet and you're you know preparing your client, depending on the level of fame, if your client is of A-list stature, then you need to obviously make sure that you're organized because if you're bringing somebody very notable down a red carpet, it's more likely than not most of the outlets there want to speak to them. And you don't want to just be walking with no plan, right? That's the last thing you want your client to sort of see that you're sort of a chicken with your head cut off. So it's important get there early, right? Ask you know, go down the carpet, introduce yourself to all the journalists who are attending, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so, I represent blah, 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 blah. A lot of publicists might have multiple talent on a carpet. I have this, this, and this person. Um, and try to see who you want to, you know, set them up with in advance and have a schedule, right? Have your notepad, have a schedule. So that way, when you get to the carpet with your client, you're not, you beeline it. Okay, you're first, okay, and you're next, and you're next, and you have a schedule put together, and the journalists know that also. So I think preparation is key. A lot of times you can get the media list or the credential list before a red carpet if you can grab it. So that way you can plan these in advance. You have your schedule, everything's taken care of before you even get there, which is even better. But it's difficult when you have a client that's a little bit less known, which more like most of the time happens, right? Not everybody works with big, big celebrities. It's really important to get there in advance so you can try to pitch your client ahead of time. And again, same applies if you get the list ahead of time emailing, you know, pitch emails. But trying to get people to speak to them in advance before they get there, I think is really important. The last thing you want is to walk onto a carpet and your client's standing there and nobody wants to talk to them. It's one of the worst moments you can ever experience as a publicist is when you get on the carpet with your client, if you're unprepared, and all the cameras go down. Ooh. That is just, it's, oh, I have the chills. I mean, as, it's just nothing worse. If you can go in advance and sort of, for me, this is my little secret trick. I don't know if everyone does this. I'm a major schmoozer if you haven't caught on to that. So if I know my client's a little bit less known, I will make sure that I'm there early. I am kissing every photographer's butt. I'm talking to all the media outlets. I'm introducing them. Um, you know, if I do represent anyone bigger, I'll be like, oh, you know, I, I work with so-and-so maybe we can do something, you know, after the crap, I'll email, make friends, make 
friends with these journalists and they're usually going to be more willing to help. And then you kind of gently say, so oh, my client, you know, they're coming in a little bit. You would love to get some pictures, you know, that'd be, oh, yeah, so great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, you know, exercise gratitude, show them that, you know, their photo, their interview means a lot to you. Like that means a lot to journalists and to media to hear that, uh, which is true and it should be true. And so that way, even if your client might be small and and by the, and your client knows none of this, none of the sausage, they, you know, preparation they get to see, they go to the carpet. You look at your friendly journalist and then they take their pictures and then you get your interviews and you go and, you know, and you just prepare them for that. And if there's a, a media outlet that all of a sudden, if, even if they agree to speak with you and then a bigger celebrity comes and they're like, sorry, and they go speak to the other person, you just say, you're like, oh, you know, so-and-so's here. I think that they were already pre-scheduled. Let's just go down. Let's enjoy ourselves. And if you want to circle back around after they're gone, let's do that. Because sometimes after the big celebrities finish the carpet, Sometimes you can go back with your client and get the interviews after the fact. Just be sensitive. Know that it's really important to your client. Your client wouldn't go if they weren't wanting to get their picture taken and wanting to get interviews. So be sensitive to that and just be very kind and have you know great prep work done. You know, you say that the whole, you know, the camera going down, that's about the equivalent of watching someone screen your call. Screen your call, like they yeah. ignore your call. Yeah, like that you look at your phone, like, oh, swipe light, you know, like that. So Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Dana Lewis. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know that's right, Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Give a couple friends of the show your attention, and we will be right back. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder... Can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duval Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUVAL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey, this is Patrick Baker, and you are listening to The Derek Duvall Show. Check out my new single, Sorrow, available on all major streaming platforms. And you can check my site out at patrickbakermusic.com. Don't leave my upper Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in operation enduring freedom, 
navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Hello, this is Erica, host and guide of the YouTube vlog Mon Jardin au Coin. I invite you to join me as we explore the many joys of gardening, such as sowing seeds, raising plants, and the reward of harvesting. If gardening is something you're interested in, or you just want to follow my adventures and receive tips to help any novice break into starting their own garden, you can find Mon Jardin au Coin on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I look forward to having you hang out with me in my little garden on the corner. Hi, this is Glenn. And this is Sonia from Echo Valley. And you are listening to The Derek Duval Show. Here's a song called Faces in the Mirror from our album Anarchy and Alchemy. This is Benjamin Sledge, author of Where Cowards Go to Die. In my award-winning memoir, you'll discover the raw humanity, intricate complexity, and brutal barbarity of those who served in the Iraq and Afghan wars, and the psychological toll it took on modern veterans. You can purchase Where Cowards Go to Die on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere major books are sold. Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Benjamin C. Sledge. Welcome back to episode 103 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with the CEO of Dana Lewis Public Relations, Miss Dana Lewis. If I'm a person who is well-known, and I am, I'm just kidding. Uh, if I'm a person who's well-known or a business professional looking to hire a PR agency, how do I choose between a large agency versus a boutique? Mm. Yes. So this is a question that's been coming up a lot lately as far as how do I choose the right firm, right? How do I know whether, you know, a large, you know, well-known agency is better than a smaller boutique, you know, or a solo practitioner, which a lot of that has come out of the pandemic. And I think, you know, there's a few things to consider. There's a lot of pros and cons, the differences between various agencies. Um, of course, you know, the, the obvious with the larger agencies, of course, you know, you're going to have more well-known celebrities more likely and or bigger brands more likely, um, which means that, you know, they have um, relationships with big media outlets because if they're, you know, representing big people, more likely than not, they have relationships with the outlets that are covering them. The, the con is that, you know, your campaign is only going to be as beneficial as the executives working on your campaign. So when it comes to the larger PR firms, while you know many times they can deliver incredible campaigns, there there are amazing PR firms. They wouldn't be where they are if they weren't you know awesome at what they do. But you know, especially with the the junior sort of level executives, there's a lot of turnover. And so I've heard a lot of brands lately complain and leave the larger houses to go more boutique because they were sick and tired of a new executive or a new face to the camp, you know, shuffling in and out weekly, monthly, yearly, whatever it was. Because the truth is, and, and this is more for, I think, smaller brands, I think large corporations like a Johnson & Johnson probably doesn't care as much. <laughs> but, um, you know, if, if you're not a Johnson & Johnson, your PR campaign should be really personal. You should have, you know, full reign and, and you know, open lines of communication with your publicist and you should have trust. And when the face of your campaign changes every couple of months or even every year, it's probably not the best sign and not the best feeling. I would recommend to any brand or individual who's going to engage with a PR firm, look at the glass door reviews, see how the people who work there feel, see what their experience is like. Because the truth of the matter is if you're working for, with a firm where there's not, you know, high turnover, staff are staying, staff love it. 
it's probably a healthy place to work. And if it's a healthy place to work, you're probably going to get happier or productive professionals working on your campaign. And I think that that's super important. And then, you know, when it comes to working with like really boutique and or solo practitioners, which again have come, you know, really oh, so many people I know who I love and, and respect left firms, you know, to go out on their own, um, you know, obviously for the the matter of people want to be their own boss people want to be you know the creator of their own campaigns and the executives of their campaigns but something that i think is beneficial to that is that the person who is you know creating and developing what your campaign looks like is also the person that's executing on that campaign they're not developing a plan that then needs to be disseminated down the lines right you know, you can have a brand manager or sorry, a, a PR manager or director on your campaign saying, oh, let's do this. Ooh, let's do that. Let's do this. Let's do that. And you're like, yes, that's great. Good idea. Many times they don't have the capacity to execute on that. They then have to rely on the, you know, the people below them, which could be great. You know, sometimes that sort of sharing of responsibility could be incredibly beneficial for a campaign, especially if it's a very, very large one. Sometimes you do need that sort of team capacity. But other times, it, it you know, working with the solo can allow a lot of efficiency. Things happen more, you know, quickly. There's no training involved. You just let's do like I have this idea. I think it would be great for you and your brand. And they're like, yeah, I love that. And then they do it and they deliver that. And I think that that's great. Um, there's not going to be turnover clearly if you're working with a freelancer or working with a solo practitioner, you know, because it's done. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of pros and cons. I really think that you need to know your brand really well and what you want. When you determine sort of, do I want a larger agency? Do I want a smaller agency? Do I think I'm just good for a freelance publicist or a solo practitioner publicist? There's so many options out there for you. Um, explore all of them, meet with all of them, but don't always be super you know, don't be super taken by these like big name agencies because oftentimes it's not right for your brand. And, you know, sometimes you, you don't want to be the small fish in the ocean. Sometimes you want to be the bigger fish in a smaller pond, you know, when it comes to the attention you're going to get, when it comes to the importance level that you're going to get. Because unfortunately, when it comes to agencies, it, you know, it is what it is. The larger retainer clients simply get more hours and the smaller retainer clients don't get as many. Hopefully, if you're working with a really great team and an efficient team, you won't see the difference. And you shouldn't, but, you know, just know that the smaller boutique firms, you're more like your, your dollar is going to go a, a longer way, hmm. more likely. So I have known and worked with you now for nearly three years, and I've seen you progress in your career immensely, which has now culminated with you branching up on your own and starting Dana Lewis Public Relations. Why was now the right time to make this change and launch this company? Gosh, why now? Oh my gosh. I mean, truth, I don't know if you, a lot of your listeners are spiritual people. I'm very spiritual. I'm very much like, listen to the signs the universe gives you. I'm just one of those. So I have been doing this a, a while. I've been doing this a decade. And I've been very, very fortunate to work with some incredible people and to learn from really, really incredible people. And I, I've led awesome campaigns and I've worked with really cool clients and I've learned so much along the way. And for me, so I come from my background primarily is boutique firms. I've worked with small teams. Um, my first experience in PR was actually working my way up the ranks at a boutique firm. And I ended up growing that firm quite rapidly. We went I mean, our, our retainers were quadrupling in price. Our team was quadrupling in size. We outgrew two different offices. It was one of the most incredible experiences ever. I loved it. I loved not only sort of growing this company, but also I love PR. I just love PR. And I was doing a lot of soul searching as far as, you know, where do I want to see myself in five years, 10 years? And the vision that I had was I, you know, I wanted to be in charge of my life. I wanted to be in charge of my campaigns. There are so many sort of 
there were so many things that obviously when you work for a firm, you know, the boss's name is at the door at the end of the day. You always need to respect their opinion at the end of the day. And I've always learned that and respect that. And, you know, and you're not always going to agree. And that's completely fine. Um, I think that that's healthy in business. But at some point, you know, you have to decide, do I want to continue to work, you know, and, and, you know, pursue campaigns in the way that this person feels is right, because I love and respect this person and I trust them. Or do you say, you know, I love and respect this person, but I want to do it my way. I want to try it my way. I think my way also works and neither way is wrong, but I think I want to go my road and continue to have respect and respect that person, you know, wholeheartedly. Um, so for me, it was sort of that determination of, okay, I know I want to do this myself. Um, I know that I want to, you know, be the boss. And I also love growing companies. I love, you know, I, I that's I, growth is just, it excites me. And then I love PR and I'm like, well, I think it makes sense that maybe I should do that for myself. So I'm starting to sort of ideate and it took a while. I'm sort of starting to play with the idea. Um, but I'm like, I don't know. Cause I really love, I love where I came from. I really do. And I loved my team. I still do. Um, we have so much respect for one another. So, so, so much. And I'm so grateful for that. So it was really difficult. But for me, again, circling back spirituality, signs of the universe, I was sort of struggling. You know, I knew that, you know, when you get that itch of like, I need change, I need to get to the next level, your body's screaming at your mind screaming it just you're, you're not in alignment. And that was certainly happening to me. And then I got a call from someone who had been referred to me and they wanted to work with me. And, you know, it was sort of this decision of, and by the way, I had many, many, you know, people call me over the years who wanted to work with me. And the truth of the matter is, and this is just being really raw and real, you know, there were many times that opportunities came my way that I had to refer them out because I just simply knew that my capacity was just beyond and I wouldn't have been able to give them the time and energy that they deserved and that their dollar deserved. And I, you know, it broke my heart to refer people out over the years. And I, you were part of that, Derek, you referred people to me and I said, I wish I could, I just can't, I can't because it's not fair to them to overextend myself. I need to be my whole self to give them incredible work. And so finally, I'm in this place where I'm already sort of, you know, I want to think I move, I don't know what to do. And then I got this call. And I just had this feeling where I need to stop sending opportunities away. I need to bring them in and I need to do it from for me. And so that's when I sort of, it was just a really weird sign. And I said, you know, I think the decision has been made. You know, I spoke with my my former boss and we, you know, agreed that, you know, of course, love one another and that I would give it my all until the very end. But I knew and I and I told the the, the now who's now my client that I'm leaving my current position. You have to be patient with me. Obviously, my priority needs to be my current, you know, clients and my roster and my team. And if, if, if that's OK with you and if that's something you can do, then, then great. And she did. And it worked out beautifully. And. Yeah, it's the one of the best decisions I've ever made so far. I'm about a month in, <laughs> but it's really been wonderful. So what sort of services do you offer your clients? So I do media relations top down. I do brand development and positioning, essentially branding work through media relations. And I create campaigns for people that's catered to, you know, them individually. No campaign will look the same. For me, my specialty, again, as I mentioned, is experts, but also health and wellness brands and CEOs that have a really fascinating story to tell, authors. But really, I mean, it's essentially using the power of media to tell your story. And I offer full service, which is materials development and the media relations, coordinating interviews, you know, helping with the post marketing end, um, working alongside other digital teams. Let's make sure that we're really, really leveraging this PR to get the best ROI, um, make sure that people see the work that you're being featured in. And yeah, just really just the hardcore media relations. I'm a PR girl um, <laughs> through and through. Which leads me to my next question. You know, I mean, I know that my listeners, there's, I got thousands at, at a time. If someone right now is listening to you speak and saying, you know what, I can do that too. I want a career in public relations. What would be the best advice that you would want to give them? 
Oh, I love that question. And I think this really should go for any industry, for any young person or anyone really of any age, if you're just wanting to make a career change, really, you have to be willing to work really, really hard. You know, don't take shortcuts, do the work. I think something that's important to know, just simply put, if you're going to pursue a, in, in a career in PR, know that it requires writing skills. Be a writer and a lover of writing. Be a lover of news. And if you're not a lover of news and media, then start to become a lover and consumer of news and media. Read headlines, read articles, watch the news, watch different types of news, watch evening news, morning news, daytime news. It's all different and it all positions headlines differently. Um, become the consumer um, and really hone in on your writing skills. Um, write as much as you can. Your pitches will reflect the, the media outlet that you're targeting. So that's why consuming media is so important as a publicist. But yeah, I mean, so for one, really honing in on, the, your, on your craft and the talent tree that you need to be successful, which is writing and media consumption. But also know that you're going to work with different types of clients, especially if you're going to be pursuing a career with agency, which I assume if you're starting out, you probably will. You know, you're going to be working on all different types of campaigns, all different types of clients. You're not going to have a say as far as what types of brands and clients you work on. And so with that said, it's so important that you just be open and learn to love each and every one of your clients. You need to be your client's biggest fan and you need to be passionate towards them and towards your work or else it's just going to fall short and you're also not going to enjoy it. You know, I've worked with so many people, young and, and, and old, who have worked with clients that they're just, oh, I don't get this client. I don't understand this. It's so weird. I don't like it. And, it's, you know, and the, the results do oftentimes get reflected in that. You have to find a way to, to keep it interesting. What's cool about your client? Read their books, do research, look what they're offering, um, see what they do, and, and really try to be their biggest fan. Because if you love them and you love what they do, it's going to be so much easier to write about them, to pitch them, to do that work. And, and again, if it really, really doesn't serve you, especially if you're somebody brand new, you know, then speak to an executive, speak to somebody higher up than you, you know, be honest with them and say, you know, it's really, really difficult for me to, to align and to understand, you know, and connect with this client. I'm really having trouble and see if they have guidance for you. If there's somebody that loves the client, it's more of a fan, see if they have advice. But yeah, really just be willing to work hard. No, it's, it's a slow and steady race. This is an industry that's highly competitive. Know that you're going to have to work extremely hard, you know, to do well, to get those results um, for your clients. And, you know, as you get more results, obviously, that's when you start to grow in your career and know that it's something that takes a lot of patience and time and dedication and just stick with it because it is, you know, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And I think a lot of young people nowadays are sort of like, I want to be the top now, or I want to be this position now. And it's like, well, that's great, but you got to work your way up and you got to learn the ropes because, you know, that's why there's the, the hierarchy and, and learn from the people who are above you and really take in all the knowledge that you can along the way. As we enter the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question. And I know now that you are incredibly busy. There's no doubt about it. How do you unwind? How do we relax? I think that this is one of the most important qualities or the most important factors of being successful and giving good results to your clients is self-care. I truly, truly do. And I, I'm, I know it sounds cliche, but it truly is. I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. And for me, that is daily exercise. I need to fill my cup if I want to really show up for my clients. Um, so for me, Peloton, I bike you know, religiously. Um, I started doing yoga recently and just have a wellness practice, have a morning ritual that starts your day off in the right, you know, place, you know, whether that's journaling, meditating, I'm personally not really a meditator. My meditation is, is biking. But yeah, for me, it's really exercise. And, and for me, and this is also a reason why I went off on my own, try if you can to, to have balance to your life. I know, especially when you're working for a great firm, that things can get really, really busy and that your life can start to feel really unbalanced. 
and just try your hardest to be present, you know, with your loved ones, because if you're, if the relationships in your life outside of your work start to fall short, I think that you disconnect, you know, period. And you need that connection. You need to have, you know, all you, your plate needs to be full in all areas. I think to, to show up, you know, for your clients, for your team. So just trying to balance your relationships, trying to balance your wellness, try to put your phone away, you know, when you're with your loved ones, if you can. And, and yeah, find that morning routine that really starts you off on the right foot. And for me, that's certainly exercise and eating breakfast. So what would be the best way for my listeners who wanted to be a client of yours to contact your firm? Uh, you can go to my website, which is DanaLewisPR.com, and that's D-A-N-A-L-E-W-I-S-P-R.com. Um, and there's a contact sheet there. You can email me. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Dana Lewis PR or Dana Lewis Public Relations. Uh, one of the other. I'm sure if you type in either, it'll come up. Um, and you can DM me, um, see a little bit about what I do. And I create custom proposals for clients. So if you're interested in engaging or just simply want an educational call or an informational call, uh, I'm always happy to discuss and see if A, you're ready for PR and B, if we're the right fit for one another. If we're not, I'll always be honest about that. Um, I always want to work with clients who are complete and I really think that I can deliver for them. Um, and then we'll create a proposal. You'll see if you like it. And then if you do, then we'll get off to the races. All right. Dana, I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would love to say to the people of earth? And if I've already said this, then I'm sorry, but it's just, I have to say, just be kind to one another. I think that there, I think kindness is just the greatest gift that you can give to yourself and give to others. And I truly think that when we're kind and when we're grateful, that good things do flow in our direction. Just believe in yourself. And I think when you believe in yourself, it's easier to believe in others. And just know that the people around you have their own struggles, that people are working hard just like you. And I think, you know, when we be, when we are kind to one another and we show up with, you know, authentic intentions and good intentions, and we truly root for the person next to us, that all of us can elevate and make this planet a better place. And I think that there's enough success to go around. And I think that there's enough opportunity to go around. I think the opportunity and success are abundant. And I think that, you know, to, to sort of view it in a competitive, you know, capacity, it only keeps you down and it only keeps your vibe low. I think that if you're just open and truly, truly loving towards the, the person next to you um, and you're kind to them, I think that more success, you know, is to be had for you and the people around you. Dana, I've worked with you a long time and, you know, your faith in this project of mine has been unrivaled outside of anyone outside my immediate family and friends. So thank you. Congratulations on your new endeavor. And I look forward to working with you, you know, as, as the years go by. Me too. And I've loved working with you, Derek. You have a great show. You've taken such good care of my clients over the years. I will continue to be a fan and continue to send clients your way and hopefully yeah, you'll and hopefully you'll always take them, even when you know, <laughs> even when you're super busy. <laughs> Which I get. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And just like that, Duval Nation, we come to the end of episode 103. I want to thank Dana again for taking the time to come on the show. It was so good to catch up with her. And I do not exaggerate when I say that a good portion of the success of this show has been through her faith in this project. So Dana. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Okay, tune in again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I got a really good one coming up in a couple of days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Plus, I think it's fair to ask you, the audience, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so be sure to hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Plus, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. A few housekeeping items before we close out shop today. Have you had a chance to check out our store on Tee Public? We have everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, 
We have a carefully curated collection of T-shirts put together by myself and Mrs. Duvall. On November 22nd, 2022 to November 30th, 2022, we have up to 40% off a number of quality items. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDuvallShoe.com. Look on the banner at the left that says Merch. Click that and you would take it to our store on TeePublic. And we want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, do your part to help those less fortunate than yourself this holiday season. The pandemic ruined a lot of lives financially, so good people are struggling. Please help however you can during the season of giving. No star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.